Well, good morning, everyone. We're doing as we had planned to do, and I say it that way because sometimes the Holy Spirit changes our plans. Amen? Paul had planned, remember, to go to the uh, right, and the Lord says, no, come on over here to the left. You remember, he was going into Asia, and the man from Philippi says, come on down. So he changed his mind. So we're finishing First Peter this morning with chapter 5, <clears throat> and I think that I'm going to be emphasizing an issue in chapter 5 that typically I wouldn't have not have done it this way, but I just felt the Lord leading us to do it this way. So in chapter 5, remember, and by the way, if I'm having trouble seeing, I had Cadillac operation. <clears throat> and so the reading glasses have not been adjusted yet, so I'm seeing out of this eye one way and out of this eye the other way. So if I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can up here. Uh, for those of you who are on television, we have a new comedian in the room. He's a Sloan. That's Ronnie Sloan. But you notice when he did that, Celeste kind of moved away from him. Four fingers, Ronnie. <laughs> two for this eye, two for that. <laughs> so Peter is now concluding his epistle to the churches in Asia Minor. Remember, they have been scattered. And because they are believers, and we have to remember this, they are experiencing the normal issues of life because everyone who lives in this world experiences levels and seasons and depths and heights of suffering. Amen. Is there anyone in here that you have never experienced any sort of suffering and you're still alive? But the emphasis for a believer is not that we experience sufferings but that God is in the midst of our issues, working uniquely in us a work that he does not work in unbelievers. He is working in his church, in his people, the furtherance of the manifestation of his presence, of his son. And so as we are experiencing sufferings, hopefully what we're doing is by faith looking to God and asking and trusting and cooperating in his work to show that in this child of mine, her response to suffering is so uniquely distinct and absolutely the opposite of what it is for everyone else so that Christ may be glorified. By the way, I failed to announce a new person in the class. So the lady who is new to this class this morning, would you stand up? You were here last week? Well, stand up. This is Stefana. Okay. I failed to recognize her. So I'm going to unpack this last chapter this way. In verses 1 to 4, we're going to talk about the character of elders. In verses 5 to 11, the effect of that character of leadership upon the church. And then a final exhortation and greeting. 
So let's go through it together. And please forgive me if I wind up doing more reading and so on this morning than I typically do because I want to make sure I see and I talk about what I want to talk about, what I feel the Holy Spirit has given me to talk about. So Peter now turns from a general addressing to the whole church, remember, to the brethren who have been scattered. And now he opens this last chapter this way. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Now, that's important, just those words, therefore. Everything that I have talked about in relation to the suffering of the church and how God is using our sufferings to manifest Christ in us and to bring us to a place of greater dependence all of that that I've said already, gathering up everything that I've said, everything that David said, he now turns his attention to the leadership. And as it were, he places, I believe, on the leadership the primary responsibility through who they are in their character and how they are in their leadership the primary responsibility of being used by the Holy Spirit to allow, I'm sorry, to lead the church in such a way that what God's purpose for the church in suffering actually is, that it will come about in a greater way. And so, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Because of all that I've said, now let me turn my attention to the elders. As your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Let's stop there. Peter begins by reminding the elders, first of all, I also am an elder. You notice that the apostle Peter does not elevate himself above these elders. He does not say anything about, you know, you need to be listening to me and obeying me. But as a fellow elder who has experienced the sufferings of Christ. When did he do this? He walked with Jesus. He was there in the garden. Remember when Jesus was arrested. He is an eyewitness of these things that he's been talking about. And so as a witness, as a part of the original disciples, as a fellow elder, I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. And then he continues on. He also reminds them that he is also with them a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. And so you see the end result of all that God is doing is the glory that is to be revealed. I think we have to be careful. I, I don't like dog legs, but I do it all the time. There are, in theological circles, it's typical to find out what is the primary, basic, central issue or emphasis of, the, of, of um, Christianity. Some will say justification by faith. You know, David, you know what I'm talking about. Some will say other things. Well, I believe that the central issue of Christianity is eschatological, is achieved and manifested in the return of Jesus and the gathering of the church before God in the new heavens and the new earth. Because I, everything else that we see in the Bible 
has a goal. Everything is pointing to where we are going. So all the others are aspects or means or, if you would, building blocks to get to the ultimate. And so I would contend that the ultimate or the central revelation in the Bible is the eschatological, the end result of what God's purpose is. But that's just, so he talks about it here. You notice that he underpins everything that he's going to say in relation to Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. And we have to keep that in mind. We have to make sure that we know that the aim and final result and culmination and manifesting of all of God's purpose for his people, in his people, and through his people is going to occur when Jesus returns and establishes the new heavens and the new earth so that we are with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit in an eternal fellowship, Emmanuel, God with us. And so everything about this day is really about what? Preparation for what day? That day. Everything of this day must be seen and understood in relation to that day. And too often what we do is we emphasize this day over emphasizing that day. It is that day which is the day that God is heading us toward. The day when this family of God is finally together with their heavenly father, the Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. So we must think that way, eschatologically, you know, the, the, the theology or the study of the end times or the last days. Now, he addresses the elders. He says, hey, I'm a fellow elder. I've experienced the sufferings. Let me talk to you about a few things. He starts verse 2 this way. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising overship, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those attend over, you see, lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Now, when Peter opens with this admonition, shepherd the flock of God, there's a lot that he has in mind because the Old Testament is filled with various analogies of God and his people, but one of the most powerful one, ones is what? God is the shepherd of his people. His people are the sheep of his fold. That's extremely significant illustration that God uses. And so when Peter says shepherd, he probably has Ezekiel 34 verses 1 to 10. I think I may have that in your notes somewhere. Okay, Ezekiel 34, 1 to 10 in his mind. Ezekiel 34, 1 to 10, the Holy Spirit is using Ezekiel to reprimand the shepherds of Israel, you know, the leadership of Israel, to explain why has Israel gotten into the terrible place that it is. They're in bondage because of the leadership's refusal to be shepherding God's people as God had intended them because the leadership did not walk in the ways of God, did not shepherd in the ways of God. Therefore, the nation went into captivity. It was pulled off the course. They followed their leaders, if you would, into 
dangerous territory, into disobedience, into idolatry. And so immediately you begin to see the weight and the responsibility that leaders have in the church. And one of the primary things we need to be doing as a church is to be praying for the eldership or the leadership. In other churches, we're not called elders, we're called you know, whatever it is. But for the eldership, we need to be praying constantly for the elders, for their personal character, for their fellowship among one another, and for the way they lead us. We, that is a, a central prayer issue and need in the church. And so by instructing them this way, Peter then in Ezekiel 1 to 34, 1 to 10, woe unto you shepherds, you shepherds, you have done this, you've done that, you've done that. So how is God going to solve the situation? He says in Ezekiel 34, 11 to 12, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? Jesus. But this is the God of the Old Testament. As a shepherd cares for his flock, I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And how will he do that? He will do that principally through the means of eldership. He will use elders to gather his collected saved people into a flock or a fold and lead them in the right way. So that they are not recaptured by the enemy. So to shepherd the flock of God is an instruction to lead the church with the same heart attitude with which Jesus himself cared for his sheep. So when an elder is told or when the elders are told shepherd, this is an instruction that gathers up the character of Jesus and the method and the means that Jesus used to lead his disciples. That's what he's saying. You are to do in the church, for the church, walk with the church in the same way that Jesus did and walked among his own disciples. That's the principal calling of an elder. Why? So that the church might take on the character of Jesus when they are experiencing sufferings as they're being led by their elders in Christ's own or with Christ's own leadership. Now, the Apostle Paul understood this. Remember in verse uh, 3, it says, proving to be examples to the flock in what the verses I just led. Shepherd this way, proving to be examples to the flock. Examples. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.11. And this is, a, whew, this is a bold statement. I don't know if I can say this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's what every elder should be able to say. Follow my example, the way I live, my character, the way I function as an elder. You're to follow that as I am following Christ. That's the way elders are supposed to lead. How are the elders? What are the example that Jesus gives? Well, if you read John chapter 10, especially verses 11, 18... We're not going to read it here, but you'll see what Jesus talks about. I am the good shepherd, and he deals with the whole issue of uh, shepherding. So, since the elders are to be leading with the character of Christ, what should that look like? What should we as elders look like to you, to ourselves? So, let's see a few things.
We are to shepherd in Christ's own shepherding and with his own shepherding by the Holy Spirit. So the she- we are to shepherd with the humility of Jesus. The humility of Jesus. Remember what Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Every elder in this church, we have six of us. Every elder in this church should lead with humility under every and any circumstance whatsoever. There should never be an excuse for any elder to lead in any way except humbly. Never an excuse. And we're not going to go into all that because, remember, we talked about humility and a lot of this in the last um, lessons that we did when we talked about God is love. A shepherd is to shepherd sacrificially as Jesus did. Sacrificially. I remember years ago when Mike Indes was the pastor and he shared with us who were board members at that time that the Holy Spirit wanted to change our identity and our uh, authority and the way we led and our overseeing of the church to elders. We hadn't been elders before then. And so, you know, we began to discuss that and pray about it, et cetera. But I remember immediately when he said that to me, Wendy, the immediate thought came into my mind. Gene and I owned a business called New Orleans Envelope in those days. We had a printing company. And we spent, at least I did, very many hours in that company. And so when he said elders, it came into my mind immediately. The Holy Spirit gave it to me. If you say yes, New Orleans Envelope is secondary. Your business is secondary. Secondary. And so I went home, remember? And I shared with Gene. I said, this is what Mike has done and this is what we're called to do. And that means that our business, Steve, is secondary. You know a little bit about business, right? You know a little bit about that, don't you? And we had to make sure that our hearts would say yes to that. Because if my heart wasn't going to say yes to that, I was not going to accept the call to be an elder. I can't. And so an elder is one who is called to be more self-sacrificing in his leadership capacity in this particular way than any other person in the church. We are as elders now completely and continually, and this is a challenge for me, I know, continually and completely at the behest of the needs of the church as the Holy Spirit gives us uh, gives us direction to meet those needs. Now, I didn't say anything that is needed in the church, we had to jump up and do. Did I say that? We are at the behest of all the needs of every believer in the church as the Holy Spirit gives us the leading to meet those needs. And it becomes a challenge sometimes. I remember there was a particular person in the church several years ago that had moved away for some reason. Oh, I think it was Katrina, whatever. And this person was a challenge. You know what I mean? Not as much as Ronnie Sloan, but this person was a real challenge. I mean, he was a challenge. It's like, oh, here he comes. Okay. And before this, 
I had begin, begun to develop an attitude about him, Joe. You know, like, oh, shit. <laughs> look at that. I had to do this. Anybody develop attitudes about other believers? And the Holy Spirit stopped me. And he says, if this were Jonathan, my grandson, would you want his pastor to develop that attitude? Kill the attitude right there. So he's calling me and he says, Pastor Peter, is it okay if I come back to Lakeview? Now, he didn't have to do that, Jody. He didn't have to do that. But he did it. And for about a hair of a second, there was a debate in me. If I say no, you can't. I'm relieved, Gail, of a whole lot of consternation. I had to be, I had to say that carefully. Consternation. If I say it too fast, you'll think of something else. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit says, tell him yes. Why? Because there's not a sheep in the fold of the Father that God himself doesn't desperately care about and wants us to be ready and available to be used by him in any and every way to bring that person back in the fold or to minister or to do whatever else. That is the heart of an elder that needs to be the heart of every elder. Never to be upset, frustrated, critical, or anything about any believer whatsoever Ever. That's to be who we are as elders. And I think as we look at some of these shepherding issues, we begin to see how this ministers to us, the church, especially in relation to the suffering that we are experiencing. An elder is to be shepherding with the fruit of the spirit. An elder is to shepherd with love, with joy. His shepherding is to be a, a, a creating of an, the effect of peace. He is to shepherd with patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are called to do that as elders. A shepherd is to shepherd in the power of the Holy Spirit, not according to natural thoughts, natural inclinations, natural desires. We are to shepherd with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. You remember what Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the Holy Spirit. In John, Luke 4, 14, Jesus returns from the Jordan. Remember, having faced Satan, having faced Satan in the wilderness, and he returns to the Holy Spirit, how? Uh, into, uh, from the wilderness, how? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Every elder is to function in by, with, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we are ministering, when we are just being with the congregation, the congregation should experience in their elders the presence of the Holy Spirit. It should be very clear, most all the time I would say, but hopefully increasingly so. So if, if they're elders, and, and I'll say this about me. I won't say this about the other fellas. <clears throat> if when we are together, or if when I am doing something or saying something or leading or counseling, preaching, teaching, whatever it is that this man is doing, and I mean this. Gene would tell you, I am desperately meaning this. 
if you are not sensing the goodness and the mercy and the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me. Oh, my word, I, I don't know if I can tell him. I, you should tell me. I need you to tell me. I need to be helped. Is that surprising to you? I need to be helped. I need your help. The shepherd, shepherds according to the will of God the Father. Jesus said, I do exactly as the Father commands me. And so there are going to be things that we decide, places we want to lead, et cetera, et cetera. And hopefully it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. It will be according to the will of the Father. You may or may not agree with it or understand it or whatever. But you pray that we're doing it in the will of God. A shepherd, shepherds with the co-workers, with the co-workers, with the Lord Jesus. I don't, I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say there, but the shepherd functions in according, accordance to the fellowship of shepherding, and we walk together. We walk together. You remember the shepherd in the Old Testament or in the, the, the biblical days walked in front of his sheep, but he was also among his sheep. And so this is a ministry that we are all participating in, but that the Holy Spirit has given the specific leading authority or ministry of the shepherd to be leading in. We are co-workers with you together. You are workers with the elders. There should be no distinction of that sort. We walk together and we work together in this ministry. Amen? It's not the, sh the, the elders and the church it's the elders in and with the church, the church in and with the elders. We're part of the body of Christ here. Primarily, I am a member of the body of Christ, a member of Lakeview Christian Center. That is my primary basic position in this church. And as that, the Holy Spirit has set me among with the other six as an elder. Now, why he selected me? You have to go to him and ask that. Uh, I've often thought that was a big mistake, but I suppose I know better. God, as they say, don't make no mistakes. But I've often wondered. They are to follow Jesus' example by shepherding voluntarily. Remember what Peter says? You know, do this voluntarily. I have verse 2 there because that's what he says in that ex exhortation. We do it not because we have to do it. We do it because the Holy Spirit has called us to do this, and we have agreed voluntarily and joyfully with this leadership of the Holy Spirit. The shepherd is to shepherd with authority, not autocratically. Ours is an authority leadership, but it is not a demanding leadership. You know, I've, I've met with a whole lot of y'all who in this room, I've met with y'all in my office. Amen? Now, I'm not going to start calling out and say, here's what this, whatever. But probably more than half of you have been in my office for some reason or another from time to time. And you may remember me saying this. The only thing I'm going to command with the authority of an elder is for you to stop sinning. It's the only thing I'm going to command. It's the only thing I'm given the right to command. And then I'll say, but let me recommend this. Let me ask you to do that. Then I'll stop. 
I say, now, did you hear what I just said? I'm asking, I'm recommending. I believe, hopefully, this is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit for you. Walk in this wisdom if you are in agreement that it's of the Holy Spirit and it's agreement with the flavor of the Word of God. Notice, I did not say, I'm telling you to do this. So we get that clear, right, Linda? We all right. So, and I'm not talking about Linda personally, but as an example. So Linda leaves the office. Someone said, what happened? Pastor Peter told me to. And that's a constant thing. If you ever hear, at least from me, where someone says, I told them such and such, when it isn't an issue of sin, they have misunderstood my words. We are not here to command you except in relation to sin. We're here to impart God's wisdom and hopefully discernment and encouragement for you to be cooperating with the Holy Spirit within the context of what we have been sharing, that you would also walk that way. Does everybody understand that? Such shepherding will enable the church to walk through the valley of the shadow of the death of their sufferings. This is the kind of shepherding that the church needs. And when it experiences this kind of shepherding, the church is led through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember, a shepherd. A shepherd is sacrificial. He puts himself in harm's way. He is always available to the needs of his sheep according to how to shepherd correctly. And so he leads them in a way because of these qualities as in, in a way that the sh- sheep feel comfortable to follow him through the most arduous circumstances. They feel comfortable. The circumstances may not be the greatest in the world, but at least they know that in the midst of this and as we're being led through this with these men, we know that God is caring for us. God is ministering to us. And that in the long run, God's glory will be manifested in us. That's an atmosphere that is generated by the Holy Spirit through the leadership team. That's the atmosphere that is to permeate the church from the leadership team and into the church. The care and the kindness and the goodness and the patience and the forgiveness et cetera, et cetera, of Jesus himself is to permeate the church, especially as the leadership team first experiences and exercises these qualities in the church and to the church so that the church is formed and fashioned more in, by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ so that when difficulties come, we can walk together as a corporate group, not being scattered. And then in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You see how Peter ends his exhortation to the elders? It's all about who? Jesus. It's all about him. And it's all going to be culminated when he returns. May I say one more time what we've said many times in this class before. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever is happening, whatever should happen, whatever should not have happened, 
no matter when it happened, how it happened, why it happened. Am I trying to gather everything up, right? There's one controlling truth. It's about God. It's about God. So you think about where you are right now in life. And you have questions, right? Mary, you have questions. You should, yes, you do have questions. Gail, you have questions. Lisa, you have questions. Darlene, we have questions. The questions can never be answered truthfully until we know the primary question. And what is that? Who is this about? And the answer is what, Chris? This is about God. I talked to a husband and wife who not, don't live here. They used to come to church here. And there's some difficulty right now in their family. And, you know, the wife's saying, yeah, but I, I, you know, and I understand. I don't know what to do. This is how many, he said, I said, the primary question that needs to be settled first in order for all the questions to be received in the will of God and for the glory of God is, it's all about God. Would you make every question first based in this is about God and then begin to ask the Holy Spirit for the answer in relation to it's all about God. Verses 5 to 11. I'll try to go through these quickly. The effect of such shepherding upon the church. When the elders shepherd in and with and as Jesus shepherded, he says, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. They are commanded to first be submitting to or following or cooperating with the elders. Why? The Holy Spirit will use the submission of the members of the church as a means of developing in them the very humility and the vigilance of Jesus who walked in submission to the Father. That's what God is doing. And Peter continues by describing how they are to be subject to the elders. All of you. Clothe yourselves with humility. With whose humility? The humility of Jesus, especially as experienced and seen in the elders. So you ask me, why do I want to know when I am not exemplifying the humility of Jesus? Because you're supposed to see in me a revelation of Christ himself that gives you the encouragement to live that way by the Holy Spirit. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You remember we went through these verses several weeks in, in the sermons. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You see, humility is the heart of Jesus' loving submission to the Father. Remember, we talked about that again in the last series we went through, so I'm not going to go into detail. Now, Peter also says two of the primary virtues that you are going to be seeing and need to be taking on in yourself, first is humility. Secondly is vigilance. Be on guard. Watch. Watch. Be on guard. And so he says, be sober, 
in spirit. Be on the alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, you see, typically this is understood, and it is, to be that every believer in here, you all have to be aware of the devil, and he's out there, and he's ready to attack and all of that. We understand that. But you see, there is a place where the vigilance of the elders protects the church. A roaring lion. You remember David, probably the quintessential human example of a shepherd in the Old Testament. Remember David? What is the psalm that all of us know? Psalm what? 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And do you remember David is telling Saul why he should be the champion who represents Israel to face Goliath? You remember that in 1 Samuel what? 17. Right? Isn't it 17? And he says, when a lion, I beat the lion, I kill the lion, whatever. A shepherd is to be constantly looking for and aware of any presence or activity of lions attacking the sheep. And he is to be vigilant. And when he sees these lions coming in against the sheep, he is to deal with these in the power of the Holy Spirit, resisting them, overcoming them, so that they cannot devour the sheep. And so there is a general protection for the church through the elders' vigilance, but then that is to be taken on by the individual members of the church. So this is why an elder, when he sees things in your life, I'm watching Anton. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to do this, and I've done it to several of you. I will, if you would, attack you. Now, hopefully, and I don't always do this well, I don't sometimes do it in, you know, the the way it should be done. But I'm going to ask you, why did you do that? What's going on? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have... Ever seen me do this? (laughs) Haven't you seen this, me me do this? Why am I doing that? That means I want you to call me because something's going on in your life that we need to talk about. And I see evidence of an enemy coming in. And there's no way that I'm going to let it happen without getting involved in it. Amen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's some of you in here who are here because... I have harangued you. You need to be in the school of the word. And the rest of the church, you need to be in the school of the word. Why? There's an enemy out there. And you don't want to have a little bitty old pocket knife, as someone said one time, fighting an enemy. You want your sword of the spirit. And so don't be put off. If I don't say it gently, Jody, would you need to tell me, you know, I, 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 I'm coming in, whatever. I just wanted to share. It, it, it kind of came across that you were not as gentle as you should be. Okay, fine. Thank you for telling me that. Why are you agreeing with that so much? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't know about other elders, but I can tell you what God has given me, and I don't know much. But I have a sense when things are not right. 
and I'm coming after you. Why? Because you want a shepherd who will reveal the enemy's presence and work in you. And hopefully that, with that you will cooperate. Amen? Because we don't want that enemy to devour you or the rest of the church. Final exhortation. I just won't read this, but Paul writes and he says, look, I'm in Babylon. I'm writing for Babylon, probably Rome. He greets them and he says this. Where is it? I'm trying to find it here. Okay, no. At, well, here I am. The elders, the rest of the church is reminded that they are experiencing the same sufferings as other believers in the world. And remember, David brought that out for a little while. How many of you know that suffering doesn't seem for a little while? But remember, why does he say for a little while? What does he have in view? The emphasis isn't this day. The emphasis is what? That day. So this letter by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter has presented God's dominion in and over all the sufferings of his people as he uses our suffering to purify and strengthen us in order to manifest the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Amen. That's what's happening here. Thank you so much for being part of this uh, class, hopefully. Uh, next week, we're going to have an, this time of prayer. And, and I say that with some concern because I know what folks think. Well, we're not going to be studying the word of God. I can just stay home. No, no. Prayer is essential and central to what God is doing in this church, in our lives, and in this class. So please don't neglect it. Please be here for a time of prayer next week. Amen. Thank you to David for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in him. This has been a joy to me to walk with this man, and he walked with me. We walk together as equals, equals in teaching this class. Thank you so much, David.